Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. I want to jump right into the Word this morning because I am going to try to get done uh, before 11 o'clock. And I know some of you think that's impossible, but with God, yeah. Uh, this morning, I want to be, I want to preach to you a pretty unique message title, uh, for me anyway. It's simply entitled, The Leader I Want to Be. How many would just have a moment of confession and say, you're not always the person you know you need to be or the person you want to be, right? But did you know, and you may be thinking, well, pastor, I'm not a leader. So this message must be something I'm going to listen to, but it's for someone else because after all, I'm just a chair sitter. I'm just a parent. I'm just an attender. I'm just a stranger that, that walked in on the street today or whatever. I'm just here to make my mama happy or whatever. But I want to tell you something that you may or may not like, but I'm going to say it anyway. Believers are leaders. I'm looking at a room full. If you're a believer, I'm looking at a leader. Now, some of you may be saying, wanting to say, not me, I'm an exception. But every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ has been called to be a leader. I could preach all message all, all morning on that message alone. You've been called to be a, a leader of people to Jesus, right? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, let your light so shine before men that they would see your good works and in turn give praise to your Father in heaven. Which means my life is supposed to be such a, such a beacon of hope and a, such an example that just my lifestyle alone leads people to Jesus. Believers are called to be, the, you're supposed to be a leader in your home. A leader in your family, a leader on your job, a leader in your school, a leader by your conduct. You know, uh, Paul told Timothy to set an example by your conduct among those, among those who are older than you and more mature, more mature for you. In other words, you're, 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 not, you're not off the hook because you feel like you're too young to be a leader, nor are you off the hook because you're too old to be a leader. You never retire from being a spiritual leader. So this morning, I just want to tell you, all believers are called to be leaders, but I also want to tell you that I'm not always the leader I want to be. In the last 25 years of ministry, I've had... I've had a lot of success in leading my family. Megan's pretty easy to go along with. My kids, I can still pick them, physically pick them up and make them do what I want to. And so they're pretty easy to lead. I've only been a part of really gracious churches, and so it's been easy to lead most of the churches I've been a part of. But the guy who really gives me the most trouble in leading... I'm going to mention him by name today. His name is Greg Sanders. That guy, that guy is tough to lead. That guy, sometimes the only way you can lead him is if you get your size 11 foot and give him a kick in the backside. That's the only way that sucker moves sometimes. I'm just saying, I'm not always the leader I'm, I, I, I want to be or the leader I need to be. And this message this morning is only for those, hey, maybe you're going to get a pass. 
Because it's only for those in this room who will admit and recognize that God has called you to lead something. He's called you to lead people. He's called you to lead your family. He's called you to lead your kids. He's called you to be a leader in your job. He's called you to lead in ministry. He's called you to lead this whole community by example. I believe that the, that the church of Jesus Christ should be the leadership of our nation simply by the, by the lives that we live. Some pretty good preaching. I don't care what you say. So this message is only for those in the room who will admit that and say, you know, I've got a sphere of influence that requires me to, lead, to step up to be the leader I want to be. And I want to share just a couple of scriptures this morning that will provide for us enough, enough instruction for becoming the leader that God wants us to be. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 7 says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of, of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Father, I thank you for every person in the room today. Lord, they are leaders. They're called by you. They're not uh, extra parts. They're not mistakes. They're not just, uh, they're not waiting to be put in the game at some point later. They're they're, they're children of God. They're leaders in the kingdom of God. And I pray that they, all of us will become the leaders you want us to be. And even the, the desire, the leader you've put in our hearts, the leader we want to be. So help me preach what you want to preach. Help us to respond like you want us to respond. And we'll give you thanks. Hebrews chapter 13, Paul is basically writing his farewell address to those that he's been writing to, to the Hebrews. He's writing their his farewell address. As a matter of fact, I could pretty much, you could pretty much preach on this subject of leadership from any verse uh, in, uh, from Hebrews chapter 13, but I'm just going to jump on, on these last two that's going to give us enough to widen our influence and increase our impact on those around us. And the first way we can become the leader we, we need to be is, he says, to remember your leaders. Sometimes the best way to move forward is by looking backwards. Sometimes the best way to handle tomorrow is thinking about the way your life was guided yesterday and the day before. And, and this is not, he says, so remember your leaders. And this isn't just remember any leader. Don't just remember your health coach, which I thank God for those. Don't just remember your school teachers, which thank God for those. He says, no, remember those leaders who spoke the word of God over you. Who are those leaders? They may be pastors, youth pastors, they might be uh, kids leaders, they may be connect group leaders, parents, teachers, friends, all these things. How many in this room would just simply by a show of hands say, my life has been greatly impacted by a spiritual leader? Right? Maybe they had a title, maybe they didn't. I recently read an article, it was a nationwide survey, where they asked Christians around the nation to submit the name of the person who'd had the most spiritual impact on their lives. And when I read that article, I, I wanted to scroll down and see who people submitted because I figured I would see names like, you know, Billy Graham, uh, Stephen Furtick, T.D. Jakes, Brian Houston. Uh, you know, these, these larger-than-life names. But the article talks about how those, those big names were shuffled among those, that by and large, all the names of great 
people who'd had great spiritual impact on most Americans were not well-known names. They were just people who had been obedient to share the Word of God. I'm just saying this. You don't have to be a big name to make a big difference in someone's life. And I'm suggesting that most of us, if I were to say, who is that spiritual mentor that impacted your life? If we were to say their name, for many of us, it may not mean anything. That name may not be recognizable, but they had a great impact in your life. Why? Because someone decided they would be a leader to you whether they were noticed or not. And at some point, you and I have to say, I'm going to be a leader to someone else whether I'm noticed or not, whether I have a title or not, whether they even recognize that they need to be led or not. The biggest impact are not made by the biggest name, so you can be an impactful leader. Well, pastor, how can I do that? Speak the word of God over people. Remember your leaders who spoke. How do they become a leader? How do they become someone you should remember? They spoke the word of God to you. Which I know is hard because not everyone wants to, not everyone wants to hear the word of God. That's a great place to say, yeah, you're right, pastor. Not everyone wants to hear the word of God. But here's what the Bible says about the word of God. Here's why you should share it even if you don't want to. Isaiah 55 says, it's going to go forth and it's not going to return void. But it's going to accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. Here's another reason you should share. It's going to last. Matter of fact, it's going to outlast everything else you share. This weekend, we took our kids to Silver Dollar City. And, and we rode on the teacups. You know what I'm talking about, the teacups? You, you spin it. And, and I always tell people that if you can walk away from the teacups without falling over, you didn't spin it fast enough. And so we spun it to the point where I was about to puke. And, and, and I set my girls down and I said, listen, girls, if you remember anything about today, remember this. No one spins the teacups like that. And I had them to repeat it out loud. Because I want them 30 years from now, if they take their kids to Silver Dollar City, excuse me, 40 years from now, if they take their kids to Silver Dollar City, I want them to remember, no one spends it like that, all right? I don't know if they'll remember that or not, but here's what I know. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the Word of God will never pass away. You don't make a lasting difference in your kid's life? Invest the Word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away with those words. are going to find a lodging place in their heart, and they're going to lead them, and they're going to guide them long after you're gone. I was preparing this the last couple of weeks, and I began to think about the spiritual leaders in my life. Three men who greatly shaped my life, only one of them is still walking on planet earth. The other two have been promoted to heaven. But I can tell you this, their words are still speaking. Their words are still speaking. Why? Because they didn't speak to me about things like golf and fishing and hunting only. They spoke the word of God over me. And you and I have been called to be people that speak the word of God over one another. Number two, he says, here's another way we can be the leaders God's called us to be, is examine the outcome of your life. Remember the leaders who spoke the word of God and consider the outcome of the way they lived and imitate their faith. In other words, Paul says, don't just look at what people said, look at what they 
produce. Don't just look at, our, at people's intentions. You have to look at their outcomes. Did you know the, the world we live in today is trying to convince you to achieve a certain outcome, you have to buy their product or practice what they're selling, right? Buy this or believe that. And if you will buy this or believe that, then you will have this outcome that they put for you in, you know, 4K, clear, crystal clear television. They put it in HD for you so you can see it and say, just buy this, believe that, and you're going to have this. Why do they do that? Because they're trying, to, they're trying to convince you that their outcome is worth it. But Paul says, no, no, consider the outcome of your leaders, not just so you can aspire to be like them, because here's, here's let me just tell you something. If you look at the outcome of, let me just talk about me. You are going to find some faults. I can tell you're shocked. I'm just going to go ahead and speak to something. I don't get to say it very often, but it's past appreciation does. So I'm going to take a little bit of liberty and say what I want to say. One of the reasons we have a church hopping, church shopping business in the U.S. is because people go to a church just long enough to figure out that the pastor and the leaders have faults and then they leave because I discover the pastor is faulty. Let me save you six or eight months and just tell you right now. I am faulty. I am faulty in ways that I don't even know. Would you please reach down and pick your chin up off the floor? I mean, and not only my faulty, most of our leaders here are pretty, pretty messy. I mean, some of us are just tore up from the floor up. We got issues. And so if you have all your life nicely together, you may have to extend some grace to the rest of us. But if you're only sitting in the chair today... Because God reached down and put your mess back together and made a message out of your mess. If you're only sitting here today because God showed up in your life, then friends, maybe we can have something in common we can share about this morning. So Paul says, examine the outcome of your leader's life, not because they're perfect, but because you see despite their imperfections, God is producing something through them. I say all that to say this, despite your imperfections, God can produce something in you. And God can produce something through you. You know, God, Greg, I can never be a leader because you don't understand how much I've messed up, how, how, much, how, often I, how often I drop the ball, how often I do this or that and the other. Can I tell you, God can use any person who will submit their life to you, he, to Him. He can use what you think is unusable. The Bible is full of people who are faulty and fickle, but God used them anyway. So he says, examine the outcomes of your life. Don't, not just, and, and one of the reasons he says, examine the leader's life is he's hoping step two is you'll examine your own life. How many of you understand that the, the outcome of my day determines the outcome of my year? Right? If you want to change 2023, 
then do something different in 2022. My everyday determines my someday. And this isn't a once upon a time unique encouragement Paul gives us. And in chapter 13 of 2 Corinthians, Paul says to examine yourselves. See if you're in the faith. Then he says it again, test yourselves. There's a guy on television, I'm not recommending him, but he's been dubbed as uh, American psychologist. His name's Dr. Phil. Have you ever seen Dr. Phil on television? The sucker has made millions of dollars by asking one question. You might know this question. How's that working for you? That's his question. He has made millions of dollars simply by asking the question, how's that working for you? Sometimes as believers, we just need to ask ourselves, how is my thinking working for me? Because his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways. At some point, I need to say, I need to stop thinking like me, and I need to start thinking like him. See, our lives should be filled with God adjustments all the time, where we are allowing the Lord to, to lead and guide our lives. Sometimes we hear that, how we got to submit ourselves to the Lord and He'll guide our ways. And sometimes we think that, have you seen the new car commercial about the guy who's clapping hands and doing this and the, and the truck keeps on driving by itself and pulling the trailer down the road and the guys are clapping their hands and they're, and they're bragging about how this truck can, can make adjustments for you. You don't even have to keep your hands on the wheel. It'll just drive by itself. Sometimes people think the spirit life is the same way. You just keep your hands off the wheel. The Holy Spirit will take care, care of you, take charge of you. But can I tell you, no, the Holy Spirit doesn't just automatically take over. He leads and guides you in how to make adjustments to your life so that your tomorrow is different from your today. That's how you become the leader you want want to be is when you submit your everyday life to Jesus and you respond to what he tells you to do. Nine minutes and counting, number three. Imitate the faith you want to see. He says, remember your leaders, consider the outcomes. And he says, imitate their faith. You don't have to talk like them. You don't have to dress like them. You don't have to cut your hair like them. He says, just imitate their faith. He's not saying to fake it. Imitation, a lot of our time, you know, we don't want imitation. I don't want imitation soda. I want the name brand. I don't want the imitation sugar. I want the, I want the sugar. All right? I want the real thing. So Paul's not saying to imitate as in pretend like. But instead he's saying follow the pattern of their faith. Matter of fact, 2 Timothy, Paul says to him, says, hold fast or hang on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you've received. Faith is simply convictions demonstrated. 1 Timothy chapter 4 says, take heed to your doctrine. Consider them, for in doing so you'll save yourself and hears. James chapter 2, he talks about how faith without action is dead. What does it mean to imitate the faith of those who have gone before me? It simply means this, that, that I'm going to not just look and agree with my mouth, but I'm going to apply that word to my life. Here, here let me just put it to you in a real quick, simple, real quick sentence. The part of God's word I believe is the part of God's word I apply. 
And any part of God's Word that I don't apply is a part of God's Word that I really don't believe. It doesn't matter what I say. Well, I believe it. Well, I believe, and I'll be quiet before I go down on a tear, but, but you understand what I'm saying. I can't just say it. I have to act on it. And number four, the fourth way we become the leader God's called us to be is we have to believe that Jesus never changes. Look at verse number eight. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's really easy to look at, name your favorite hero in the Bible and say, yeah, but, but I, mean, that was, I mean, that was Daniel. I mean, he stood when no one else would stood. He prayed when no one else was prayed. But pray, he, he prayed when he knew it's going to be, in, uh, you know, it's going to give him trouble. He prayed anyway. But I mean, that was Daniel. Our, our look at Peter. I mean, he, he stayed faithful to the points that he was crucified. I mean, he, was, he gave his life as a martyr. He was so faithful to the Lord, he never, he never gave up. But, I mean, that was Peter. And, and those were the days of the church, early church. I mean, I mean, thousands were coming to, save some, to get saved sometimes at just one simple sharing of God's Word. I mean, that was back then. That was a different time. But, but Scripture says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, what does that mean? It means this, if he healed before, he'll heal today. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he saves people in the past, he can save people today. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, which also means this, he will save people tomorrow. He will heal people tomorrow. He delivered people yesterday. He can deliver people today. And by the way, He can deliver people tomorrow. He was calling people into ministry yesterday. Guess what? He's still calling people into ministry today. And He's going to keep calling them tomorrow as, as long as the Lord is yet to return. He provided for people yesterday. And he provided for people today. And He will provide for people tomorrow. Sometimes, let me just get off a little preachy. Sometimes we have an easier time trusting God for the provision of yesterday than we do the provision of day. We think, well, God was faithful then, but this is different. Have you ever had God challenge you to do something and, and your argument was this? Yeah, but God, this is different. Only me? Seems like every step of faith I've ever taken, usually my first argument with God sounds like this, but God, that was different. Like, I didn't know any better. I was young. I was stupid. I didn't, you know, all this stuff. But God, this is, I mean, I know how impossible this is. Is Jesus still the same today as he was yesterday? Is he still going to be the same tomorrow? Some of you, just need, tomorrow morning when you, you're in that bad habit, and I'm in it too, 8.01, first time you can check the stock market, and it's going up or down. You just got to remember, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, day, and forever. My hope was not built in this stuff anywhere. Right? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and His righteousness. It's really easy to sing, sing the song, but it's hard sometimes when everything around you is going different directions. You have to remind yourself, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What does that have to do with being the leader God's called me to be? If you're ever going to be the leader God's called you to be, you have to understand that He is still empowering people today. He will still empower you tomorrow. He will provide for you today. He'll provide 
provide for you tomorrow. He'll deliver you today. He'll keep you, he'll keep you on, the, on the path tomorrow because he's still Jesus. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning, Megan, if you'll come. Two questions. Number one, this message is called Becoming the Leader You Want to Be. Any leadership guru you talk to will tell you before you can ever be a leader, you have to first be a follower. And I'll say this, before we can be a leader for others, we have to be a follower of Jesus ourselves. And if you're in the room today, if you've never started following Jesus, you never committed your life to him, to him, you've never surrendered your life to him, then I would challenge you today to not wait another moment because you change the trajectory of your life, your family, and those around you. It changes the moment you begin to follow Jesus. So today, you say, Pastor, I've never, I've never made the decision to follow Jesus, but today is my day. I'm making that decision today. Would you just lift a hand real quick? Let's me, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. I've been doing my own thing too long. Amen? Amen? I've been following my own way too long. Amen? Several hands. Number two. Are you leading yourself the way you know God's called you to lead? yourself. Are you really being the leader you know God wants you to be for your family, for your spouse, for your friends at school? I, I even believe, I'm not going to go into it, I even believe that there's a role of leadership that students should own in the house to be a signal to their parents. I believe there's some, some, some give and take there. There's some mutual edification that takes on there. Are we being the leader God's called us to be, or somewhere have we, have we bought the lie that maybe things are different now. Maybe things are not like they used to be. But I want to remind you, Jesus is the same. He's still calling people. He still wants to see your faith flourish. He still wants you to make a difference. He still wants you to have an effect on someone else like someone else has had a great effect on you. You say, Pastor, I, I, I do sense today and I will receive the challenge today that I am going to step it up and make sure I'm continuing to be the leader God's called me to be. If that's you, would you just lift your hand real quick and just wave at me? Yeah, me too, Pastor. Me too. I'm going to step up. Amen. 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 So let me pray for you. God, I pray over every person lifted a hand. Lord, for those who said that they need to start following you, God, I pray that today that they would just Simply admit that today they need you to be their Savior. And that they would, all, with all of their heart, put their faith in you, believe that you are who you said you are, you will do what you said you would do, and you will be to them who you said you would be to them. You'd be their leader, their God, and their Savior, their Redeemer, their Restorer, their Deliverer, and their Help. So they're deciding today they believe that about you, Lord. And that today, when they lifted a hand, they're confessing to God, God, I need you and I want you. So, Father, I pray today that we just accept, admit, believe, confess, and from this day forward, they would follow you with all their life. God, I also pray for this entire congregation. So many raised their hands saying, yeah, we've got to be the leaders God's called us to be in our home, in our workplace, in our community. So God, I pray today as you just lead them and guide them, as you nudge them, 
in the ribcage of their spirit man. That you nudge them to follow after you, that you would just lead them, guide them, direct them, give them the boldness, the courage, and the determination to be who it is you've called them to be when they're in front of people and when no one is watching. Help us to become the people you called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, I wanna, we're going to let our kids come in, and I'm going to talk to you while our kids are coming in. So if you got a kid that you're looking for, you can kind of look and listen at the same time. All right, but I'm going to keep talking. Point one this morning was this, remember your leaders. And I asked you this morning, how many of you have a spiritual leader in your life that, that encouraged you, that made a difference in you? And many of you lifted your hands. Here's your homework assignment as you leave this place. I want to challenge you today to contact those spiritual leaders. If they're still on planet Earth, contact them today with a text message, an email, phone call. Maybe it's a former pastor of this church. Maybe it's a former pastor where you used to go to church in another life some other time. But reach out to people and let them know you appreciate them, the difference you made. Well, pastor, that might be awkward. But see, when you remember that seed that God put in your life through someone else, there comes this commitment, this awareness that I've got to be a steward of that seed that someone planted in me. So I think one of the great exercises you can do today is when you leave this place, or even now while we've got a few minutes, just reach out, text one of those pastors, teachers, leaders, and uh, encourage them. So if you're still missing a kid, look around. All right, I think we're fairly situated. Brother Mike Weeks is going to come uh, on behalf of our board today and talk to you. I think we all know we've got a great staff. And um, this is Pastor Appreciation Month, so hopefully we've been showing them that for the whole month. Um, Brother Eddie Kioski was putting this together. Uh, he was over Pastor Appreciation this, this year. And one of the things that uh, as soon as Eddie started planning, Brother Greg said, I want to talk about my staff this year. And, uh, you know, I think last year different deacons talked about each one. So I, I thought that said a lot about his staff, that he was so eager to get to talk about them. So we're going to let Pastor Greg talk about them, and then we'll say a little bit about him. Awesome. Thank you, brother. So every year, these guys get up here, our board gets up here and does a great job of bragging on our staff. And then I have to come up here, and I get to decide, am I going to take another 15 minutes of your time and keep you away from the restaurants and brag on them? Am I going to yield to the expressions on most of your faces and let my people go? And so today, to avoid that, uh, I'm just going to take the first 15 minutes or so, and it may be less than, than 15 minutes. But, uh, and so I'm going to call them up, and then you're going to give them something, right? So talk about this. So, so the, the monetary gift here is from our church board, which represents you, that we're giving to each of our pastors. How many of you have, have, um, have brought cards and gifts and tokens of appreciation, text messages, all those kind of things this week? That means a lot. And I would just say... Overall, this church is so. Um, this church doesn't wait till October to show appreciation to our staff, and it really it allows us to go further, faster 
uh, because of your encouragement. Uh, you never know what moment someone needs to encourage. And so I just challenge you to decide that I will be a constant encourager uh, to people. And so uh, I really don't have any order in which we're going to do these things, so I think I'm going to do it in the order that I think of it. Number one, I want to invite Donetta to the platform. Where's Donetta? I don't, I don't say this to Donetta very often, but do you know what I call people when I talk about you, other pastors? I call Donetta our sole survivor. She's the only person that was on staff when I got here that is still on staff today. And uh, that has been one of the most, most stabilizing, she's one of the most stabilizing um, faces in our church, uh, not just with her tenure, but with her, her faithfulness to the Lord, has anyone ever met anyone more faithful than Donetta? I mean, she is so faithful not just to be here, but to serve. And so much, so, so much of what happens here uh, is, is her, uh, it's not just her commitment, but her, she's, very, uh, she's very careful to make sure what we do is in the spirit in which we want it done. So many times, I can't tell you how many times during the week, she'll come to my office and just say, Pastor, is this, is this how we want this to come across? Is this how we want this said? Is, and, and all of that is not because she doesn't already have the expertise to do it. It's because she's wanting to make, she's very concerned about the spirit of our church being transferred in a way. And I have people tell me all the time that, hey, I called the church and my day was kind of going bad. But when I got off the phone with Danetta, my day was turning around. And so I just say, Danetta, thank you for what you do 365 days a year for us in church. I love you. And uh, then I want to invite Addison and Rochelle uh, to come forward. And uh, you know, Addison. And Rochelle came on board with us just, just shortly after Megan and I arrived. And a uh, matter of fact, he, he and I kind of joked about someday he becoming the youth pastor here months before he knew he was going to be in the market for a, a youth pastoring job. And so when, when we started searching for a youth pastor almost five years ago, like he was my first call because we'd already kind of joked about it. But I want to say uh, to Addison, now Addison... Um, I just referred to him as our youth pastor, but anyone that's been around here more than 10 minutes knows that is the most understated position that I just said, because he handles our youth, he handles our text, he handles, uh, and I could just spend the next five or 10 minutes going on about all the stuff he handles. Uh, when we were gone on sabbatical uh, for five weeks, I literally did not, I mean, I'm not sure if I should say this, but I didn't check. I didn't watch Facebook Live when I was on sabbatical. Not because I wasn't interested or I didn't care, but because I knew, right? When you, when you, go, when you go on a date, you don't spy on your kids while you're gone, right? Uh, I just knew the church was in good hands. So, Addison, I love you. I appreciate you guys. And thank you for all you guys do. I have no concerns when I put something in your hands. And I appreciate it.
I really appreciate this couple because anything I've ever come to them with, like with Addison, he helps with sound things. And when Jonathan can't be here, if I just say, hey, can you do, yeah, no problem. That's his, like his go-to line. And you have helped out in so many different things that we've done with women's <laughs> ministry. And just the, uh, man, you, girl, you guys are just like, can you do this? Yes, I can. And that is so awesome. And you don't get riled up about much. And I do appreciate that. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah. That's good. Touche. <laughs> um, next, I want to invite uh, Kelly Georgina to come. Uh, does everyone know Kelly? Pretty much every, I could say this about every staff member, their, their job description is a very narrow part of what they do. Kelly is obviously our financial administrator. Uh, she also is one of those, once, uh, all of our staff is away, but once I put something in her hands, um, I don't have to worry about it. It's taken care of. And she handles everything on our finances. Finances so transparent, so, um, uh, what am I trying to say? <laughs> when she does it, it's done. And it's done in a way that there can be no questions asked. Was it done right? Was it done above reproach? Everything about our finances are above reproach. And, of course, she started the Trailblazer Ministry, our ministries to our senior adults, and she's taken that and runs with it. But more than that, she is a resource of prayer uh, for all of us. She's a resource of encouragement for all of us. Uh, she's a resource of just always being able to depend on her. And as a, our whole entire staff, uh, we are sort of like family in some ways that, uh, but sometimes I forget, like Megan was asking me, uh, Thursday or Friday, she said, why is, uh, why are there people going in our house? And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you, they're using our ovens for the, for the feed the panther things, but, uh, but they just all serve so many places. And Kelly, thank you so much for what you do for this church and what you do for us personally. We love you. And uh, next, I want to recognize Adam and Crystal Justice today. I know they're here because I've seen kids around here. And they are our newest team members, but like they've been here two and a half years. Is that right? Two and a half? Almost three years. Which I want to tell you something. That right there, the fact that our newest team member has almost been here three years, says a lot about how God has graced our church. Um, I was trying to read this morning before service what the average tenure of a staff pastor is, and I could not find that information. I know when back in my youth pastor days, it used to be between 12 and 16 months. Uh, I, hope that, I hope that the world has gotten better, but one thing I know is that the assembly has gotten better. And uh, I'm not just saying this for Adam and Crystal, but I can say it for every one of our team members. When I'm in pastor circles, uh, one of the questions I get asked all the time was, number one, how did we get such an incredible staff at the assembly? And number two, how do we keep them? And my answer is always this, the grace of God. And you guys have been a grace, yeah, I've been the grace of God extended to this church, to me and I personally. Your kids are extension of God's grace to our kids. And uh, we just thank you for uh, your, your willingness to do whatever it takes 
your willingness to, uh, to go the extra mile and beyond. And uh, we love you guys. You've been such a great asset to us, and we love you. Yeah, and I just want to reiterate that, that I just thank you um, from a mom's perspective. Thank you for loving our kids and not letting them get away <laughs> with things. You know, they, they take care of what needs to be taken care of, but they do it in love. And I just, I send my kids back there, and I don't think, I don't worry about, you know, I just know that they're well taken care of. And so we just love your family so very much. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, guys. And then I also want to recognize uh, Pastor Dave and Pastor Natalie, if you guys have come this morning. And these guys win the award for those who have been associated with our church the longest. Uh, I'm not going to say how long they've been part of the assembly because it might make them feel like they're, long, they're older than 30 years old. But... Uh, But uh, Dave, if, if you've spent any time around him, Pastor Dave is a encourager. I thank you for that. He is a stretcher. When we were talking to Dave and Natalie about coming on staff, one of the, one of the things he promised me, he said, listen, I'm going to stretch your thinking. Is that okay? And I said, stretch away. Come on. Uh, and he's done that. He's been faithful to do that. And he has become sort of the Swiss army knife of our church and that uh, they... they uh, you know, have, have worked in kids' ministry, ran our kids' ministry for decades, and now that Adam and Crystal are here, uh, they're still involved in kids' ministry, but they're, doing, they're putting their hands to a lot of things, and basically whatever I say we're struggling with. If we have a life group that's struggling, he steps in there. If we need a missions trip led, he leads us. By the way, if you want to go to Honduras after service, see him. But I appreciate, uh, appreciate your heart for ministry. I appreciate your willingness to serve in every way possible and wouldn't want to do it without you. I love you. I think the thing that stands out, if I would use a word kind of to describe the way that you guys serve is just joyful. You guys truly enjoy the kids and you enjoy what you do and what you do matters. And I just appreciate the joy that you serve with because that is, makes me want to do better too. Just the, the fact that you guys are always, to me, you raise the bar with joy and I appreciate that. Love you guys. And so, you know, in Scripture, in Scripture, there's, there's two terms that are used for pastors, shepherds, staff members, like we talked about today. And, and they're not really flattering terms, but one of them is the term of a shepherd, people that love, take care of, sacrifice for, stick with, rescue, recover, walk with. That's what a shepherd does, no matter, no matter the condition. The other term is, is a not-so-good one. It's a hireling. You heard that phrase? And a hireling looks just like a shepherd, but when the times get tough, they leave. When it gets too costly, they leave. When the conditions aren't right, they leave. And the, and, and the Word talks about the reason they leave is because they didn't really love the sheep. They were just in it for the paycheck, in it for 
the position in it for the fame and for and and, and I mentioned a few minutes ago I had a lot of people ask me how do we have such a great staff how do we keep such a great staff and the best thing I can say to that question is this we have a staff full of shepherds and not hirelings they're here because they're called of God None of them do what they do because it's their job. Did you notice how I had a hard time telling you what they did? Because their job description doesn't really tell the whole story. I mean, it doesn't come close to telling the whole story of what they do. You know why that's so hard? Because they're not hirelings. They're shepherds. They love God, and they love people, and Megan and I just consider it the the privilege of our life to share, uh, share the, the load of this church with each and every one of them. So staff, I love you. God bless you. Thanks for all you do. Earlier this week, I was asked to speak on uh, for Pastor Greg and Pastor Megan. And, uh, of course, first thing you do, you know, you look out to a friend for some help. So uh, I looked to Brother Dwayne Mons. I said, Dwayne, um, I need something good to say about Pastor Greg. <laughs> and uh, he said, without hesitation, I like his dog. I said, <laughs> all right, so I appreciate the help. Um, then I asked my wife, you know, you turn to family after friends, and I said, Kim, I need something good to say about Pastor Greg. And she said, he's married to Megan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kim, thanks for that. And, uh, and I hope you know I pick on you because I love you. Um, that's never got over that. I was that way in the first grade, never got over it. But um, I had the opportunity last year to speak on Megan, some words from my heart, some things I thought about her. And... Um, and I guess Kim got to feeling bad because poor church, he starts telling me all these good things about Greg. You know, he's good at this. You know, he's really good at this. He's good at that, good at that. And I'm like, you know, I ain't saying all that. I don't want to <laughs> be up here that long. And, and so, um, but I got to thinking about it, and one thing that's kind of hit me this week when I was thinking about it was um, they're a team. Um, there is only so much one of them can do without the other. I have seen pastors not as effective as they could be because they didn't have the support of the pastor's wife as far as just the ministry that he had. And I've seen it the other way around in my lifetime. And uh, our message in tongue this morning was unity. And uh, it was interpreted. And um, if we don't have unity between these two, we're in trouble. So I wanted to say something good about the team, Team Sanders and what makes them effective. And um, I figured it out, and it's their passion. You see it every day, it means a lot to you. It's their passion for this church. And when I say this church, I ain't talking about this building. I'm talking about they have a passion for you and me. And that passion that they have was here on day one. 
And I think it's been five years. And that passion is greater now than it was then. And I've told Greg several times that, um, Greg, I want you to be the last pastor I ever have in my lifetime. And I mean that. So um, I'm not an eloquent enough a speaker to get up here and say all the good things about this team that, uh, that they deserve. So I'm going to ask you guys today to help me to show this team how much we appreciate Team Sanders. Thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. Um, I don't really know where to start. I will say, Dwayne, any day you want my dog, you can have her. <laughs> but, uh, you know, something I do every year, and I started this a few years ago, was uh, I begin to ask myself this question, what do I want people to remember when I'm gone? Whether by way of death or by way of the Lord, you know, moving us to Hawaii. I think that's about the only place I would ever consider going from here. Um, but what, what do I want people to remember? And so every year I kind of think about two or three things that I, for the year I try to remember. And um, <clears throat> one of the things I've said over years, God, let my love for you be something that gets passed on. My passion for the things of God. If I pass that on, I feel like I've been faithful. So that's huge affirmation when you said that word. So thank you. We love you. I'll speak on behalf of all of our staff. We love you. They love you. You're, you're not a bother to us. You're not a, uh, you're not obligation to us. You're not a job to us. You are the joy of the Lord. You are our opportunity to be who God's called us to be. And I know I'm not always the leader I'm supposed to be, but I can tell you we're all trying to be the leaders that we can be for God's kingdom and, uh, and for what God wants to do. We love you. And I said on day one, I believe the best is yet to come in this place. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, God, God bless you. I do want to ask our staff if they will please go to the front porch. That's where I normally am on Sunday mornings. But I want all of our staff today to go to the front porch. And I would just ask you, uh, as your last challenge of the day, would you please stop by and love on them and tell them how much you appreciate them on your way out. God bless you. Thanks for being part of the assembly. Thanks for making it the greatest church on the planet. God bless you. We love you. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day and God bless.